have you ever seen the movie um, It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. There's butterflies on the oh, wall. No, I haven't. No, what I haven't. The that's a click. That's a character flaw. You don't own me. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to The Observation. The Observation is powered by Cash App. When personal finance meets your funds and the stuff that matters, that's money, that's Cash App. And when you use my code Aubrey, you'll get $15 in free money if you're a new user and you sign up. So use my code. It makes this show go continue, I guess, go on. <laughs> and um, terms apply, so use my code. Uh, Hoffman is here oh. with me. David Hoffman, the co-host of Bankless, one of the largest crypto podcasts in the space. Maybe the largest, is it? It is, uh, yeah, by download numbers, yeah, it's number one. For wow, sure. what a yeah. flex. And Hoffman, I got to know, you know, since we give $15 in free money mm -hmm. to our viewers, what is the best thing you've spent $15 on recently? Yeah, yeah, thankfully you underhanded me this question before we started <laughs> recording. You can't tell the people. <laughs> I never give anyone the questions. I gave David the questions. It's a hard <laughs> question, because what the hell... Where does fifteen dollars take you these days? Inflation, man. It took. It got me five dollars here, five dollars back home. I got five dollars left. I did buy this like a checkbook of bankless stickers, and so like it's a checkbook and it feels like a. But like it's a you know you pull off the sticker and it's a bankless sticker. I thought that was That's pretty cool. cool. That's cool. Yeah. And that was fifteen dollars. Uh, well, one unit of them. Yeah, we bought a we bought a bunch of them. Yeah. What a plug! To Look, we're, we're um, already, yeah, we're already thirty seconds in. And we've he's already plugging. chilled he's, Bankless he's, twice he, now. He's he's <laughs> plugging, and he, we also made a joke that he's going to come rug the observation. Um, today we we have a really great episode, um, potentially a controversial episode, as someone who comes from the Bitcoin space mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. has a lot of Bitcoin viewers. We were talking about the Ethereum merge that is happening next week, and we have probably the best person that you could talk about uh, it with. So we've discussed it a little bit on the podcast, so mm -hmm. the viewers obviously are aware. We also we also had a breakdown of, the, of our viewership the other day. Breakdown? Uh, a percentage of female to male. Oh. What would you guess... Well, just don't ask me what the <laughs> bankless breakdown is because I'm sure it's worse. No, tell me what's yours. Uh, on YouTube, which is okay, YouTube's already. Yeah, like, this, is, this is on YouTube. Male. This is on YouTube. Yeah, I think we were like 95% dudes. Yeah. Wait, are we 92? We're 92.3. Yeah, so you have well, as almost 2x more ladies listening to yeah. the observation than the we're trying. We're trying to turn that around. Um, not today, probably. I'm <laughs> 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 no, just kidding. Um, okay, so um, we're going to be talking about the merge. Um, but before we talk about the merge, I want to go a little bit into your background. Um, David actually just moved to New York recently. He yeah, was from in, the... In June. Yes. What do you think about it? Uh, well, so I already had a bunch of friends here, and that's why I moved. And so it was a really, like, graceful landing into New York, where I feel like if people are moving to New York without friends, like, do not, I do not envy those people. <laughs> uh, so it did not feel too crazy. Um, even though I've lived in cities all my life, I've definitely been, like, a city kid. Uh, New York is a different level of city. Uh, it's like you step out in, into it and, like, oh, man, there it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a reason why I went to Brooklyn, not Manhattan. Um, you know, a little oh, bit, red flag, a little bit more <laughs> green space, a little bit more, uh, you know, room for trees. Uh, but like, I, I just love it. It's like somebody who like I'm in front of my computer for like 12 hours a day making content. And like, I step out of my apartment and like, they're my friends are like at a restaurant or something. And like yeah. having, having that time between like work and play be compressed. I love it's great. Well, also being from the Pacific Northwest, I feel like that's such an outdoorsy area though. Yeah, it time. does rain a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, people think it rains a lot in Seattle. It's really gray uh, in Seattle. But yeah, you're like, you're inside not doing outside stuff for a significant, a significant part of the year, which is kind of sad because like the people in Seattle are like very outdoorsy people. 
Yeah, and it feels, I mean, it's just an interesting time to move to New York, quite frankly, as uh, the city's not kind of doing well, you know? So I feel like you came in at the bottom. Hmm. Interesting, because some of my friends, when they told me I was moving to New York, they were like, yeah, David's buying the top of New York. The prices are up, rent's yeah. up. Rent, rent's Crime up, is yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, I came from uh, the innermost part of like San Diego, though. So like the cost comparison was about the same. All right, fine, fair. We'll, we'll see how you fare during the winter time, yeah, I guess. I've, I've been, I've heard this line before. We'll have you yeah. come back. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, but you did, were, when you were there, were you, I mean, you've, we've talked about this for, before, but you were um, working with like inpatient right. children um, yeah. and, and a mental. Yeah, so I majored in psychology and so I wanted to become a clinical psychologist following the first steps of my mother. Uh, not actually. Um, uh, so I, I just found like a, a job that was related to mental health outside of college, the first job out of school, and it was in this child long-term inpatient program. So kids would fit like one of three criteria to be in this program. Uh, they're unsafe to themselves, as in like suicidal, they're like cutting themselves, just self-harm, that kind of stuff. They're unsafe to others, like some sort of conduct disorder, they're just like erratic, can't really control them. Uh, and then the third is just like generally unfit to take care of themselves. So like this would be like people who are dissociative or like they're too dis, uh, schizophrenic to be able to take care of themselves. They'll put themselves into a dangerous situation and not realize it. So if you fit one of these three categories, then you, and then you, something happens that you discover, like the, the state discovers you because you did something, like something bad happened. Uh, so then uh, the, the uh, state then would give this, uh, the, give custody over this child to this CLIP program, Child Long-Term Inpatient, and it would be like a mental health agency that kids would stay there for like three months to beyond two years and some of the longer cases. Yeah, that was my first job. Wow. Yeah. And how, how long did you stay there? Two years. Okay. Yeah, and which was significantly above average for the really? people that worked there. Yeah, the, the average was like three months. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Wow, that must be so hard for the children, obviously, to see so many people cycle out. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the, the employees would be, like, in one of two camps. You, like, cycle out within three months or, like, you're one of the long-termers. And so, like, the long, there was, like, four other, like, coworkers that I had that were also, like, multi-generational uh, CLIP, empl like, employees. We, call, we were called counselors. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. And so, from there, did you... Did you like look for another career? Was crypto your next spot, or did you have <laughs> a few other things before you <laughs> landed here? <laughs> I did do a few other things before I, I found crypto. Um, I went into I became a personal trainer because I, I was really into mental health and how mental health can help you feel better and just like live a better life. Yeah. Uh, and then like going down that like you know rabbit hole is like well you can't actually just have you can't just feel better without also like thinking about like movement and just being healthy. And so it's like, okay, I can, not only can I help people with like improve their mental state, but like improving their mental state, you kind of need to be you know, healthy to do that. And you need to be fit. Like it's yes. easier to have good mental health if you are also fit. So let's help people become fit. Like America is the fattest country on the world. Should be easy. Uh, but then you also get into nutrition. And so I was like trying to find some intersection between uh, like physical movement, uh, nutrition and mental health. And like, how can I combine these three overlapping Venn diagrams into the same career path? Uh, and that took me into like the middle of 2017. Um, but crypto people will know 2017 was a very big year in crypto. And so while I'm studying for the GRE to go into physical therapy school to become a, a doctor of physical therapy, uh, the 2017 ICO mania, hap mania happened. So like I'm trying to study for the GRE, 
But like instead I'm reading like white papers and like watching Vitalik YouTube videos and just going down the rabbit hole. Uh, and so like I had this fork in the road, right? Like do I pursue crypto or do I go through 12 more years of A school? A metaphorical fork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The normal fork in the road, yeah. So do I go down and like go through like 12 more years of school and a yeah. bunch of debt? Or do I go into this crypto thing, which is like brand new, no debt, is inherently an industry about money. Uh, and so like the ROI on crypto was just like off the charts. Yeah. And also just like intellectually interesting. And that's what really mattered the most. Yeah. Wow. So back to the ICO thing. Yeah. <laughs> Often were you getting any ICOs? Were, were you, were <laughs> the, I only invested in one ICO during 2017. Uh, it's called Spank Chain. Have you heard uh, of it? Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course, course, of course. Uh -huh. <laughs> we'll leave that there. Um, okay, and so you were like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to take the jump in. And so it was your first step, basically, of, of doing that. Producing content, yeah. Um, I didn't really know what to do, because like, okay, I'm not a coder, so I felt like I was confined to having to learn how to code to make my way in this industry. Yeah. But there was this one day I just like was scrolling through Etherscan, as one does, um, and just like, you know, observing the blockchain, again, as one does. Uh, and I just noticed something that was going on with like the volatility of the Ether price and like MakerDAO. Yeah. Uh, and so I put what I noticed into like a 500, 1000 word like blog post that I thought like 50 people was going to read. Yeah. And it turns out like 500 people read it. And like that was my first like dopamine hit. It's like, ooh, that felt nice. Yeah. Uh, how can I get more <laughs> of that and like I've been chasing that that dopamine hit uh ever since ever since and so people are chasing that hit every day on crypto yeah. twitter yeah, right. hard mm -hmm. um damn mm -hmm. okay and then you were basically like okay let's move into bankless mm -hmm. I want to create a, a podcast about getting people unbanked there was a there was a few more steps between that and bankless but yeah if you really want to speed run it yeah you said it before <laughs> I said it we <laughs> It was too easy. I couldn't let it go. This is my show. I t I, this is why you don't give the person that comes on the notes ahead yeah. of time. Um, okay. But let's go a little bit into Bankless and, you know, the idea behind it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, getting people to become their own bank and become mm -hmm. unbanked by the current right. financial system. And talk about that. Like, you, you actually believe that people should do that. Yeah. Fully. I mean... Eventually, I think we should get there. Uh, going bankless is a journey. You don't just like teleport to the end result. Like I still have a bank account. Like bankless has a bank account. Like we have to pay our contractors. I got to pay rent. So yeah, bankless has a bank account. Like uh, just, uh, disclaimer. Uh -oh. Breaking. <laughs> Breaking. <laughs> <laughs> on the observation. Bankless has a bank account. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all going to zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's about like there are like multi steps in your journey of going bankless, right? Like the first one is that you first get your bankless bank account, which is like, you know, your Bitcoin address, your Ethereum address. Like the next step is like you actually start to grow some of your net worth in, in your bankless bank account. The next step might be your bankless net worth passes your non your banked net worth. Right. And then eventually you can go full bankless, which is, I actually think not impossible these days. There are services and tools to let you do that. Like you can spend your debit card that's connected to an Ethereum address. Um, paying rent would be a little bit harder, but like every day it's, it's easier and easier to like go bankless. Uh, and so bankless, the company is about this content media company that, you know, tells that story of like, Hey, we're all as a society going bankless. Uh, so come listen to our podcast about it. Yes. We'll, we'll put a subscribe link yeah. and, and everything, all the details um, up. And how many shows are you doing a week right now? Uh, it fluctuates. Minimum is like four. Maximum, the most I've ever done in one week is 10. Insanity. Yeah, it's quite. I think, I think I have a, the, the, the ratio of team when, when was that? Was that like full bull market? Or? 
No, it wasn't actually too long ago. Uh, I've done 10 in a week twice now. One was at the peak of the bull market. Um, another one was like a couple months ago, um, just because the way the scheduling fell. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, all right. Okay, now I can't say what I wanted Sorry. to say. Uh, I feel bad. But let's let's speed run this, um, is basically what Hoffman <laughs> says all the time. Um, and we've kind of turned it into a joke amongst friends. But um, let's talk about the merge happening next week. Is the date still September 15th? Yeah. 8, 8 a.m. our time-ish, give or take a few minutes, but 8 a.m. Thursday, Thursday morning, yeah. Okay, great. So for people just tuning in or have not watched our previous episode, we, we've talked about the merch actually a little bit, just heard, giving people yeah, some contact. Yeah. Um, but basically, Ethereum is switching from proof of work to proof of stake. So the first thing that I kind of want to bring up here is the uh, the debate between proof of work and proof mm, of sure. stake and, mm. uh, and your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's, it's part of this debate, I feel like, is when people enter crypto, they just naturally fall into a, a certain camp. And the proof of work versus proof of stake camps is like one of the big ones. It's like proof of work just like resonates with a certain cohort of people. And these people generally then become Bitcoiners, right? Proof of stake. Do you think that they they identify with a consensus mechanism first? And then they, it, I think they identify with a protocol first and then they kind of rally behind yeah, it's like a little bit one and the same. Um, like the, prot the protocol and the consensus mechanism are like super aligned, right? So yeah. like if you like the proof of, you, if you like the 21 million unit hard cap, like you're probably also going to like proof of work. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, so like these, these categories have a particular ethos about them. And I think really, really when you zoom out in the crypto space and you talk about what's really going on here, these are like political revolutions. Yes. And so like Bitcoin has a certain principles like indoctrinated into it yeah. like a hard cap proof of work uh easy to verify uh ethereum has different like principles uh instantiated in it and it goes by that and these kind of diverge and so these are like political parties and that's why everything's so tribal in the crypto space do you feel like there is a spectrum of of uh people who identify with a certain protocol and their political identity because i i feel like i've seen that Yes and no, but I, I want to get your take on it. Yeah, I mean, it starts to get a little bit uh, like looser, a little bit grayer. But yeah, like Bitcoiners generally are uh, the more libertarian type. I think they're, they lean conservative. Uh, I think they also lean like religious as well. And then the Ethereans, Ethereum people, Ethereans, whatever you want to call them, the, they're a little bit more like, so like uh, the, the way that the founder of Spank Chain, by the way, Amin Soleimani had classified this. Uh, it's a very legitimate ICO, <laughs> despite the name. Uh, he called like the Bitcoiners, uh, the Spartans, and the Ethereans, uh, the Athenians. And so mm. the Athenians are like these hodgepodge group of just like, you know, one is a carpenter, and one is like a shoemaker, and one is like a blacksmith. And then the Bitcoiners are the Spartans, and like, ooh, ha ha. Like they're all it's banded together. Analogy. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a little bit more of like, I think diversity in the Ethereum space than there are with the Bitcoiners. Bitcoiners, I think, is a little bit more of like a, uh, everyone kind of is chanting the same chant kind of thing. And and let's just talk about that. You know, like, sure. do you own Bitcoin? Are you, uh, do you, you, do you hate Bitcoin? Mm -mm. No. And do you just have no interest in it? Uh, I mean, if Ethereum wasn't a thing, I'd probably be focused on Bitcoin. Um, yeah. But no, it's like Bitcoin, Bitcoin has so much of the same properties that I see in Ethereum. I just personally think that Ethereum expresses them better. Okay. Mm -hmm. Examples uh, like um, uh, property rights, I think is a is a huge one. Uh, and Bitcoin, Bitcoiners love property rights, and so like it's all about settlement insurances. And this is something that I think Ethereans and Bitcoiners 
definitely align on it, especially versus the rest of the industry is like emphasis on security, emphasis on property rights. And now like some Bitcoiners might listen to this and like, yeah, if, but Ethereum doesn't exude those properties and that gets into the debate as to like, is proof of stake actually more secure of a consensus mechanism than proof of work? Bitcoiners will say no, Ethereum will say yes. Um, uh, but like if you yeah, take- Yeah, Bitcoiners will say, uh, proof of work is more decentralized mm-hmm. um, and more secure, and yes. proof of stake is less decentralized right. and less secure. So, what would you say to that to the Bitcoiners yeah. watching? Yeah. So this is also going along with the argument that like proof of stake is the rich get richer argument, um, which and I actually that's the other argument. They would also and make. I think those are the same, very similar arguments. Yeah. Like security in the crypto space, security and money are almost the same thing. Yeah. If your blockchain is highly secure, that L1 asset is very valuable. Those yeah. are the same things. Uh, Bitcoin and proof of work is that centralizing of security and decentralizing of BTC, the asset. Because miners have to sell Bitcoin in order to pay for their operations. They're diffusing Bitcoin. So like the ownership spread of Bitcoin becomes very, very distributed. And that's, that's a great property. Uh, what happens is that as a result of that distribution, because miners are, are the privileged party here and that they're selling Bitcoin, that actually centralizes. And so the claim that like proof of stake is this rich get richer argument because of compound interest, I think doesn't, I think that, that it's actually the inverse. So proof of work mining, anything that separates $1 of capital from $1 worth of security is a way where uh, a place for uh, economies of scale to be expressed. So like proof, uh, proof of stake is the most direct relationship between $1 of capital and like $1 of security. You put up $1 as capital and proof of stake. Bitcoin with uh, proof of work, you need to invest money into like huge economies of scale. You need to invest in supply chains. You need to have like a bigger facility. You need to have stronger energy production. Uh, You have to buy all the ASICs. And if you, so like if you have $10 million, you can make a large purchase of ASICs and get a discount because of that. Manufacturer will give you a discount for that large purchase. And so this just tilts things in the favor of well-capitalized individuals. And so like you can just think about like, sorry? Well-capitalized individuals that are are minors, right. Uh, and so like you can just like think of a thought of experiment like how many hashes per like second are you going to get with one million dollar investment versus a hundred million dollar investment it's going to scale more than a hundred x yeah but if you put like one million dollars into proof of stake versus a hundred million dollars into proof of stake you get the same yield it's four percent it's 4.2 percent whatever the yield is it's the same no matter what your capital investment is and so the whole like compound interest thing and the rich get richer, it's actually the fact that the yield is controlled by proof of stake and it's force, forcibly everyone is getting the same yield is actually the opposite of the rich get richer. It's the rich, no matter what your capital investment is, it's the same return yeah, on fixed. investment. Yeah. And so this is why the proof of stake believers believe that proof of work inherently centralizes over time. Now, the argument then goes to like, well, proof of stake, there's no churn in the asset base, which proof of yeah. work definitely wins that. Big churn in the asset base, highly decentralized asset supply, but at the cost of security centralization. Ethereum, highly decentralized security, but centralization of the asset base. Um, but the people that are now going to be staking, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's going to be people who have a lot of Ethereum. Right, yeah. So is that technically... that's large whales, people that can do that. You know, Mm -hmm. who are the people that are going to be staking now? Who do you think those people are? Yeah, so it's always going to be the people that have been with the protocol the longest, which are always inherently going to be the people that were able to buy Ether the cheapest. the wealthier Yes, yeah, because Ether went up, yeah. Um, uh, But there are, like, ways to democratize this, right? Like, first off, the the idea behind Ethereum's 
Ethereum specifics uh, proof of stake flavor as opposed to like Solana or Avalanche, which are like highly yeah. centralized proof of stake, is that anyone can mine on a laptop or, or stake on a laptop. Yeah. And so like the hardware isn't an issue. You just need a basic computer and like a basic internet connection and some ETH and you're ready to go. Um, if you don't have 32 ETH, which is like the minimum to, uh, to stake, yeah. uh, then you can do something with like Rocket Pool or there's other technology out there called like distributed validator tech, um, DVT, yeah. And so like you and four buddies or eight buddies or like 30 buddies can like group all of your computers together together, and like collectively you have like 100 ETH between all of you. And you guys are staking as a group. Yeah. And so like that's a way to like democratize access to this thing. And so there isn't actually very, the, the, the threshold for participating in this is really, really low. So like it actually doesn't matter how much ETH you have, you can find a way to stake. Uh, you don't really need- If you have friends. If you have friends. Well, if you, don't, if you don't have friends, you can <laughs> also kidding. use Rocket Pool and Rocket Pool will like pair you up. Like Rocket Pool is like a matchmaker service yeah. for wannabe stakers. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go back to energy though. Sure. Um, so the, the plan to switch over was always the plan. Always the plan. Um, but was it always the plan because of energy or was it the plan because proof of stake was the better thought out mes- uh, method? Yeah, um, I wasn't around for this part of Ethereum. This was this like uh, commitment to proof of stake was really established before the Ethereum blockchain really got started. So that's like 2014. Yeah. Um, the, the energy conversation is like this thing is more green was definitely present in the earliest days of the proof of stake conversation. Uh, but I think the real motivation is fundamentally that people believe it to be a more secure consensus mechanism. And that's really the priority here is like Ethereum wants proof of stake because it's more secure. So going back to energy, the mm-hmm. narratives right now by the mainstream media is saying that it's switching over because of energy. Right. Do you claim those? Are you like, yeah, sure, we, we embody that? Because Bitcoin right now gets a lot of flack for energy. But I think what is misunderstood is that like, for example, for example, like coal uses a ton of unclean energy, but then you have things like solar or right. like hydro, and then it's obviously a good form of energy. It's more about carbon footprint of that right. energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when some, but when people talk about crypto as a whole, they blank right. the entire industry. They just say it uses a lot of energy. Right. Like okay, so does your Tesla? Like what do you, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like right. so, um, you know, was that was that technically like? a large problem that you feel like you don't have to battle now going through like as someone who yeah. is like can can I call you an ethereum maxi I don't really know what to call other people do like when people call me an ethereum maxi like it does like trigger a little like exclamation point in my hate, head do you hate it uh, I don't think it's accurate but like I'm understand that it's like futile to fight against that like if if like what if, would you want to be ca- often what do you want to be called like if we're if we're, we're gonna call me a maxi it's like a decentralization maxi but no one's gonna call me that like oh all those decentralization maxis out there it's like no that's not a title <laughs> that's a terrible title can we just put like a chiron on the end at the <laughs> it's just like decentralization maxi in the show no um, just do ethereum maxi it's funnier <laughs> okay so I've um, capitulated to the title so you feel like you don't have to come back that down or do you feel like that's held our industry back Uh, just by misunder like the the mainstream media Mm -hmm. and most people don't understand energy consumption for example like bitcoin optim and for proof of work like people it it is like advantageous for miners to use renewables when mining and like on a given time of a year it's like 40 to 70 percent of mining Mm -hmm. on bitcoin is done through renewables people don't talk about that it's not a narrative that people want you want to use the less energy always and bitcoin you know there's a lot whatever but i'm just talking about like 
in terms of what people understand about the crypto space, like what would you tell someone who's watching the show that is new to crypto and they're like, yeah, I think crypto as a whole uses a, t a ton of energy. Yeah. And, and, what, and, and how much energy like is Ethereum going to be using now? It, oh, Ethereum is going to be using effectively like zero energy. It's not truly zero, but it's like a 99.99% reduction. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's, it's, it's basic. Like if you're watching a YouTube video, your computer is consuming as much electricity as like an Ethereum computer would. Be. Yeah. So like all the people watching on YouTube, like you are using an equivalent amount of energy as like an Ethereum node would be. Yeah. Um, I think that the main debate or argument between Ethereum and Bitcoiners on like the energy thing is that like Bitcoiners are like our Bitcoin promotes green energy consumption, therefore good. And Ethereans are like the way to be green is to not consume. And I think that's really like the kind of the crux of the debate is like Bitcoiners like we are promoting the good kinds of energy consumption. And then the flip side argument is like, well, it's actually just greener just to like not consume any energy at all. But then we get into like a larger d debate of like Bitcoiners would come back with like anything worthwhile deserves work and deserves energy and your money should be secured right. by energy at yeah. some point. And so like the, the, because the, all systems actually. Right. And I, I think that it was here. Here's something that we should parse apart here. Actually, uh, I'd love to, to go back and forth on this. Uh, uh, <laughs> Bitcoin proof of work intentionally wastes energy to produce something of value, Bitcoin. But it is wasted. Like the Sudoku puzzle that's coming out of that isn't recycled into something. It is a proof of, of it's proof of waste. And like, yes, you get, Bit you get Bitcoin as a result of <laughs> that. But the way it is wasted, like that the energy it, is consumed. Yeah, but if most of it is being done with mm -hmm. clean resources, right. then it kind of nets out, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, I was talking about this to my brother-in-law, who's like not a crypto person, uh, but he gave me a, a, a take, which uh, I'd love to pass to you. Uh, it's like, sure, Bitcoin produces and incentivizes green energy, and then it consumes all of that too. Like, and so it actually doesn't leave any green energy on the table for the rest of the world. Okay. A question I have for you then is like, do you believe that it, this is more of like zooming out more macro. Like, do you zoom? Do you do you think that things in your life are worth the energy? Like a relationship, the, it needs to like mm -hmm. there needs to be work put in your job, the show that you do, produce, producing ten things. And, and the proof of like you know uh, what's that? Carl Jung, one of my heroes. But then that associates to value, right? right. Things you value, right. therefore equal energy that you should put forth for right. said thing. Right. What you do and the energy that you put forth out there, the things that you actually do for work shows who you really are, right? So you, so you do believe that, yes. you, that I, things yes. that you care about deserve energy? Yes. I think we're twisting the definition of energy here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all energy, energy is energy. I think there's, but there's like, do you have like the clunky Model T Ford that consumed energy and now you have like the modern Tesla, which consumes energy and does way more output with that thing. Speaking of, yeah. not to go off the rails, but what are your thoughts on California? Uh, wait, they uh, ma banned combustion engines they like 2035 or yeah, something? Yeah, basically making everyone switch over. I don't hate like it. Like forced, oh, oh, you're for it? Um, like I mean, that, but it's very, it's very government, it's very- It's very top down, yeah. I mean, but if we're gonna do anything top down where the government like whips us into shape about something, it's gotta be climate change. That we don't have the time for that for that topic. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we would go around and around. Um, okay, so let's go back to I don't. We've talked about proof of work, proof of stake, but I think what 
people who are watching the show may not know is that gas fees are not going to change um, with this upgrade. So right. it's an upgrade, but the user experience actually doesn't feel any different. Correct, yeah. So thoughts? Yeah, uh, I mean, so we had this one, once upon a time, we had this thing called ETH2. And ETH 2.0 would be proof of stake and sharding and like a few other things. And we would have finally have proof of stake. We would finally have like cheap transaction fees. And then the core devs were like, actually, it's going to be easier if we like to break this out and do this in chunks. Uh, and so the merge is the proof of stake chunk. Uh, later, there comes data sharding. Uh, and there's also this thing called EIP 4844, which makes transactions super cheap. Uh, so this is proof of stake. Uh, later comes uh, transaction fee reduction. If it comes. And let's just tell the people at home, if you're watching that, there's no guarantee that the merge happens on the 15th, but Hoffman is pretty sure. I'll take, I'll take the bet. If you, if you want to make a bet right here, right now, I will 100% bet. What you. are we betting? Uh, dinner. Sure. Proof of stake happens. At what time? On th by the end of Thursday. Ah, uh, come on. I we, we shook before we've actually like negotiating <laughs> terms. <We didn't. laughs> um, I was. I want to do the 15th at 8 a.m. Because that is what it is right now. It might it might fluctuate to nine a.m., ten a.m. I'll give you it's happening on eleven Thursday. nineteen a.m. Because that's the time I was born. Okay, it'll be. It'll, I feel safe that it'll be merged by then. Yeah. All right, redo it. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, but that also would like. I'll bring up a point here, uh, where like once Ethereum ships proof of stake, I think the naysayers who are like Ethereum doesn't ship anything, they don't have any like leverage left. Like Ethereum actually has started to ship EIP-1559, layer twos, proof of stake. Like how many times do you want to bet against Ethereum? But, okay, fine. This is my, this is my show fine. now. <laughs> fine, Hoffman. But like, we, let's, just, let's just see if we get through whatever next yeah, week. Yeah, at a time, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. We could not we're getting real. We're week. getting real spicy on the couch over here. <laughs> we haven't seen anything yet. So like, it's like a... Would you, I heard you say it on your podcast the other day, uh, like the Hillary Clinton self. Uh, oh yeah, 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 right, right, right. Yeah, it's like all the Ethereum like proof of stake watch parties. Just yeah, yeah. watch the rock blockchain break, and we're like, oh, come out with victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but I love the uh, I love the enthusiasm and the, and the confidence around it. Um, so going into the next topic, um, so for like layer twos, mm -hmm. their goal is to decrease fees. Right, that is where you get the cheap fees. Yeah. Yes. But obviously, like burning ETH makes it uh, deflationary. Mm -hmm. So, like, where are you at on on the whole debate of like what what's good? Right. Uh, Ethereum, as a design philosophy, has always been to uh, enable economic activity. So, like, the value of the ETH burn comes secondary to people being able to do things on Ethereum. The point of Ethereum is to not burn ETH. Uh, if we want to keep on putting this behind like Bitcoin or an Ethereum lens, like no, let's keep going. <laughs> Bitcoin is meant to uh, the Bitcoin blockchain is meant to serve BTC the asset, but Ether the asset is meant to serve Ethereum the economy, right? And so this is what four eight four four is. Ooh, didn't like that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you go, but I, but keep going. But okay, so uh, EIP four eight four four it does this thing where it really decouples layer twos from the layer one on like a fee perspective. So it's, it's 4844 is like minimum viable extraction from layers to uh, rollups to the layer one. And so okay. that's like the minimum amount of fee you need to pay to have the full strength of Ethereum security to secure that rollup is what 4844 uh, is. Okay. Uh, and so like rollups are like totally unhinged. They can just like take the brakes off of their scaling. They can have like sub one cent transaction fees uh, and pay the minimum amount of Ether down to the layer one to make a, a layer one like state update to what's going on in the layer two. 
Uh, and so it's really prioritizing like economies on the layer two to have minimum fees. So you, so you're not for the deflationary take then? I think, uh, I mean, I think we either will be naturally deflationary anyways, um, but I am promoting. Why, I'm, why, why would it be? So we have like, you know, one roll up optimism and it has a bunch of economic activity and it submits like a layer one transaction every few minutes. And then you have another roll up uh, Arbitrum and then ZK Sync and then like a flourishing of layer two roll ups, like as many chains as you want. And these roll ups need to trade with each other. And so they got to send their assets and their NFTs down to the layer one so that they can like settle amongst each other, right? Uh, and so there's, there's going to be enough basal level of activity on the Ethereum layer one that it's like, it's going to make it the ether deflationary. We'll see. <laughs> yes. we'll see um okay so for all, everyone that was mining um mm -hmm. ethereum where are they going um the majority will have to turn off their hash power because there's just like not enough proof of work chains out there to support them so um there is a fork though a proof of work allegedly yeah uh, <laughs> yeah you don't seem uh, too excited about that Hoffman. i don't think it's really going to be a thing like it's a shelling point and that's okay why we should help we should help people a little mm -hmm. bit before we we go into that so um the one thing i did say um prior to is like i i do worry about people who like there's just so many scams in this space mm -hmm. um that will be happening around the merge um probably yeah uh, this potentially could be a scam. I always tend to feel like forks go to zero. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, it feels scammy. It feels scammy. I don't, what are your thoughts? What, what is your advice to give to people? Yeah. The, the conversation of the proof of work fork that comes out of the proof of stake chain, because and, and like the reason why people are talking about it is because we know this thing exists. We have all the miners uh, who are going to continue mining on the old chain because that there's nothing else for them to do. Like they can't come. You guys to left your homies stranded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we told them we were going to strand them uh, when we started the blockchain. So yeah, it's been it's a little in, sad. Yeah. You know, if you, Ethereum miners, if you want some, something to mine, come our way. Well, you can't, you can't mine Bitcoin with GPUs. I know, though. but they could, they could start fresh, start fresh, start. They over. have the, they have everything other than the ASICs. So like they actually do have like a shell of mining infrastructure that they could repurpose for Bitcoin mining. That is true. So come our way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Bitcoin hash rate goes up. Um, <laughs> so like the, the fact that we've known that this proof of work fork is happening has created a shelling point. Like people can talk about it and like more people talk about it and like, oh, like there's going to be a fork, but like people are going to get like double ether. Oh, awesome. Free money. Um, like the problem is for the average user getting access to that other blockchain is going to be really hard because like yeah. there's like all this infrastructure that they need to set up to access that other chain, right? They need to run their own node that yeah. pays attention to the old proof of work chain, not the new proof of stake chain. They need to you know, configure their MetaMask to point to that next node. Uh, they need to like be set up in DeFi to like capitalize on this opportunity. And like some people are going to do this trade and they're going to be highly professionalized and they're going to do stuff on like blocks one, two, and three. So under one minute post-merge. And like, if you're a retail user who doesn't like know how to no do way. that, like, no way that's happening. There's no way that's happening. You're fucked. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to people who are staking, there's a lockup period. I kind mm -hmm. of went, I went out of order of this, of this flow. <laughs> we got it because we got to so many other, I do want to talk about these things though. Um, there is a lock uh, lockup period if you are staking ETH um, on the beacon chain. Mm -hmm. uh, six months? Uh, unknown. What do you think? Why, how do it, so it's just like throw some fucking ETH in here and you never know when you, that can be liquid again? Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, and there's and this is what, what you 14, guys want to get behind. Fourteen million <laughs> no, ether kidding. in there, yeah. Uh-huh. Fourteen million ether is worth, yeah. Okay, sure. so when that lockup period lifts, mm-hmm. why why not everyone dumps dumping? Uh, if you are the type of person to stake your ether for an unknown amount of lockup period, so you could earn somewhere between four to six percent yield on that ether, are you also the same type of person who's going to dump that ether as soon as they can? Well, in the comments. if you are the type of person to dump that ether you probably would have staked with lido which has been live ever since the beacon chain was and so you could have staked with lido and had liquidity and you would have been able to dump that Uh, i think so you think there will be no dump on this unforeseen time that no one knows there certainly will like people are going to want to sell because like ether did go up like two to three to four x from like on the average price that people put it in at um, and like overall, when you like prevent selling and then you enable selling, like some selling will happen. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think it's one of the more overstated things. We're going to, we're going to make a page called freezing cold takes where we, where if things get, if things go a little dicey, we just want to run it back to the receipts. <laughs> that we have. Uh, oh, I have I put all of the receipts <laughs> out there, uh, from Bankless, POV crypto, my first podcast, all my writing, all my tweets. But, if something goes wrong with Ethereum, uh, like all my receipts are there. <laughs> Well, I love that. I actually respect that, though. Thank you. You know, have strong opinions, mm-hmm. loosely held. No? Mm. You don't agree with that? Oh, no. Uh, yes, but I don't hold the proof of stake. Well, depends on what you mean by loosely. If if presented with new information. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, don't be stubborn enough to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Keep well, that, that was a segue. <laughs> we just keep segueing on the show. Um, okay, so next question, mm-hmm. moving a little bit off of the merge. Um what role do you think that ETH has to play in Web3? And, and what are your thoughts on, on Web3 as a terminology? Has, uh, you, has it done good, net good, or bad for the space? Uh, it's like, so crypto was the word in 2017. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, it was good on the way up, bad on the way down, right? And this yeah. was the same thing with, like, Web3. I don't think crypto's ever been a good word yeah. in the space. Because crypt, crypt, cryptic. Right. Oh, my dad said It just my, means hidden, I think, in Latin. Right, yeah. But it doesn't also doesn't really sound good. Right. <laughs> my dad gave me the same take and it stuck with me. It's like crypto, it sounds so nefarious. It does. You guys should think of a new word. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Well, yeah. Comms, something that I reason that I came mm-hmm. into this space is a lot of times I just don't think we communicate well. Probably. And it, and saying it's it's interesting, you know, coming into the content side of things. I was talking about on a show yesterday with someone who's like a content creator. Um, it's like there there's a lot of like, obviously devs are... <laughs> very, very important, Mm -hmm. but also communicating what your product is, is very, very important. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I think we use words that don't convey what things actually mean or misconstrued people to believe and use a lot of acronyms that are just too much. Terrible names in this industry. Terrible. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Web, I don't know if web three was the, I think that was a VC rebrand in my opinion. I don't know. You know, I think it made people understand that we're bridging into a new part of the internet, but With your thoughts on it? Yeah, A16Z did actually put out, like, uh, paid money for a poll to, like, see how Web3 term polled. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it was organically adopted. And then A16Z was like, yo, like, Web3 polls really, really well. And that was like... Put it on your deck. We'll add a zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was, like, during the mania, right? And, like, then yeah. the 2022 crash happens. And then we ruined that word, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so we like, ruined everything. <laughs> we can't have anything nice. <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the upside, it's great. And then, like, the, the grifters and the scam artists come and they taint everything. And they do what you say. It's like, oh, I'll put Web3 on my slide deck, yeah. not really knowing what it is. And then, like, you know, I'll rug. 
Uh, and then they, they take that word and then they ruin it. Yeah, I, I guess, I think when the technology becomes mainstream, therefore there are other things that become mainstream. For example, you don't say like www. Right. slash yes. a domain. People right. assumed domain name once right. said that. Mm -hmm. But I do think we have some really bad like non-fungible token. No right. one uses the word fungibility. I've only used it when I talk about Bitcoin. Right. Um, I had to learn that word when I learned about crypto. Yeah, yeah. and it's kind of very crypto-focused word. Yeah. Um, and then just, it's just not good. It's not good. It's not good. Um, I don't know, what, I'm trying to think of other words. that I, it when, Sharding, like, I don't <laughs> like it. I think it sounds like sharding. Oh, we don't, yeah, you don't even need to say it. Everyone knows okay, that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that. That's on your side. Yeah, that's on you the don't have to deal with that, yeah. Uh, what else? What else do I hate? Do you have anything else you hate? Oh, about crypto? No, words. Oh, uh, words. I mean, like, there's... It's like sometimes there's just so obvious when a project comes to market and it's like, oh, we are announcing our raise. Here's our project name. And it's like just weird as fuck. I and think that's like, the I'm NFTs. Not, I'm allowed to swear, right? Yeah, yeah. This tight, is weird. Tight, tight, tight. Very um, open on this yeah. show. Do it's you like, not swear on Bankless? Uh, I strategically swear. Yeah. You do? Yeah. I got in trouble from it for listeners uh, because uh -oh. I was swearing. I had a potty mouth. So like now I, I reserve like one good fuck for a weekly roll up. I have like one fuck per. But advertisers don't get mad about it. No, not yet. No. Okay, good. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. People did get mad. My dad got a little upset about it. Yeah. Because I don't swear at home. <laughs> <laughs> they think I'm like this good Catholic girl. <laughs> I guess not anymore. It's bad. <laughs> Anyways. Bad uh, on air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hoffman, we're going to play a game. Okay. You down? Okay. I, I will say that people that call me Hoffman, I haven't been called Hoffman as a first name since like college. And it's always been like. Do you hate it or no, do you like? No, it? no, no. It's just like it's like people call me David, and then they get to know me, and then for some reason, like people, it just collapses down. I kind of switch. Yeah. I like I like a little bit of both. You yeah. never know what you're gonna get. Never let them know your next move. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna play a word association game. Okay. It's the first word that pops into your head when okay. you hear this word. Okay. 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 We did not give him these ahead no. of time, yeah. like we well, like we did earlier. So that, would, that would break. That would break the game. It's game breaking. Yes. Okay, here we go. Tornado cash. Privacy. The merge. <laughs> Happy. <laughs> you, why do you sound evil? You literally sound evil. <laughs> New York. Uh, oh, fuck. Oh, I, I thought about happy again. Uh, uh, busy. DeFi. Uh, strong. Lightning. Cash. Bitcoin. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst word association. Uh, Satoshi. Nakamoto. Oh, that's not allowed. Oh, I'm terrible at this. this, is, this is for someone who did, like, is a psychology. Yeah, I was, I was, was going to make the jokes like, oh, this is my game, but that, this is just not how it works. Community? This. Management. <laughs> <laughs> You're just, like, putting in what a phrase is. Can you blame me? <laughs> Freedom? Oh, God, America. Like, it, it's called word association for a reason. What do you associate with the word community? Salmon? I'm literally a cream cheese. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. We'll just cap it there. We'll just cap it there. This did not pan out the way I wanted eject. it to be. Hard eject. <laughs> All right, we got a segue to, we got to close out the show on the biggest flex I think I've ever gotten in an Instagram DM from Hoffman was, oh, yeah. I've been, okay, I've been taking up chess. Backup story. I've been taking mm -hmm. up chess. Um, actually, I was playing a lot with my dad. Chess is tight. I, I have a chess set in the corner. Chess is tight. Um, it's great. I love it. I'm reading the Bobby Fisher Teaches You How to Play Chess book. 
I've gone to the chess forum. I'm really getting into it. I'm not throwing that around. Um, but anyway, so I've been posting about it on my Instagram story and Hoffman goes, uh, did you know I beat Vitalik in chess? We need that story to close out the show. What? I don't, I didn't even ask it actually. I was just like, that's sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The story behind that, it was, it was in the middle of COVID. Uh, and so me and some people in a discord were just doing late night zoom sessions cause we couldn't hang out with people in real life. Cause it was like quarantine time. Yeah. Uh, and somebody passed a zoom link to Vitalik. So Vitalik came in and we were playing chess and Vitalik was like you and his like chess journey of like, I'm also learning chess. Uh, and so we started just like, we started just doing a round Robin of just like who plays who. Uh, but I was I was streaming it, but we didn't want to stream our conversations because we were being like DGens and didn't want that to be public. So I was streaming the chess board and I just like took screenshots of people's faces and put it like, all right, Vitalik's up here, like this person's down here. Uh, like Cyrus Unessi was here, uh, <laughs> a few others. Uh, and like oh, the listeners, the viewers on YouTube were like, wow, they're really still. And then it took them like minutes to realize that it's like a screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, we're just all playing each other. And like, I want everyone wants to play Vitalik, obviously, but like yeah. also people want to be respectful and like allow other people to play. Um, but eventually- Was, was like, he doing okay? And he was pretty good, yeah. He like was before, good. when he was playing other people, or did was he beating? Was other people beating him? Or yeah, so like the it was it was me, Cyrus, Unessi, uh, Kevin Owaki, Vitalik, and like a few others. Yeah. Um, Kevin Owaki's really good. Really. Uh, yeah. Better than you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he tends to beat me. Um, <laughs> asshole. Uh, Vitalik, you could tell Vitalik was still like in training. Uh, yeah. And so like the, you know Vitalik's a giga brain, but like it doesn't mean he's naturally good at everything that he does. Like he also has to practice. Like he's a, yes. he's immortal. Uh, and so, uh, I just like said, eventually it came my turn to play Vitalik and like, I've got like 10,000 games of chess under my belt. Uh, and so casual flex, yeah, flex casual more flex. on my show, Hoffman. Yeah. Bankless just comes to the observation just, and just, goes just flex. Off. I'm sorry. It's just so <laughs> no, easy. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So, so then, it came time to my, for me to play Vitalik and yeah, I beat him. So it's not that impressive because he was a novice at chess. Yeah, I didn't tell you, I didn't tell you that when yeah, I was you, in your DMs. You tell, this, you tell the story a different way. <laughs> it's all about how you tell the story. Yeah, right. All right, well. Sorry I did not give you an epic ender of a story on the show. No, no, it's fine. Uh, that's actually how I want you to go out on a nose time. <laughs> so evil. Um, but thank you so much, David, for coming on. Thank you for um, and I'll see you back here next time. Good luck and Godspeed. Pew, pew, pew. Salute emoji. I look like the salute emoji a little bit with my yellow, yellow? jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay.